0: You know, a lot of people who have, have these solar panels on their roofs are really smart. I mean, they have a what they call a power wall or some kind of battery backup. Sure. Because sometimes the sun doesn't shine and, you know, you have backup. And a lot of utility. well, the smart utilities do that, too, and energy companies. And uh, Vistra is one of those. Vistra Corp used to be, well, it's parts of the old Texas utilities, TXU. But they have battery backups. They started with a big one in California that we talked about a couple of years ago. Now, not too long ago, they opened one in Granbury, Texas. Jim Burke is the, for us, relatively new president and CEO of Vistra, and We welcome him to the show. It's good to have you with us.
1: David, it's great to be with you and uh, looking forward to the conversation. You know,
0: I'm really, but I've been so intrigued by this one in California. What is it? Moss Landing. This this gigantic battery backup, and now you've started one in, in Granbury. Is that a proper analogy? Is it like, you know, the homeowner who has a solar roof?
1: I think it's a perfect analogy. In fact, the California market has a significant amount of solar on the grid, uh, utility scale solar as well as rooftop solar. So the challenge California has is they need to be able to soak up the solar energy during the day and discharge it in the evening when the solar starts to come down. So our facility at Moss Landing currently is 400 megawatts. Uh, think about that as almost 400 Walmarts worth of energy, okay, that we would be able to power. And we're adding 350 megawatts to it by this June so 750 megawatts, and it sits next to a 1,000 megawatt combined cycle gas turbine plant. So in this one facility, if the renewables can run during the day, we'll soak it up into the battery. The battery will discharge, and beyond that, we can also turn on the gas plant. And that's very similar to what we have in Texas at our De Cordova facility, where we put a battery that's of equal size to the gas peakers that we have there and it's only a one hour battery. So if the need for energy is more than the hour, we turn on the peaker so we get continuous energy duration. And that's the challenge with batteries. Our battery in California is a four hour battery and that's as long as the commercially viable batteries go today. So all these grids are going through a transition of how do I take the renewable energy use it when I can, store what I can, and beyond that, I've got to have the capability to provide the energy the customers are looking for.
0: And the Cordova we, we should mention, is in Granbury. You opened that went last summer, right? That's
1: right. And uh, we had a, a great uh, receptivity to it because it's not only battery on location, it runs off natural gas, and we also have fuel oil backup at the facility. So we,
0: we call it the Swiss Army Knife
1: of energy facilities because we've got multiple options there.
0: Well, just concentrating on that one. So is this emergency energy? I mean, have you had to use it or do you use it, you know, during the course of a day or a week all the time?
1: It's used actually most of the week as a what we call an ancillary service, meaning that battery is there. It has a state of charge. ERCOT, the grid operator, can call on it to harmonize and balance the grid as there's fluctuations on the grid. And then when they need it for energy, for uh, actual discharge, like in an evening hour, the typical use case for these, David, is when the sun and the wind are at their lower levels, then these batteries will get called upon. And then beyond their duration, The gas plants, the coal plants, and obviously our nuclear facility, which is very close by to that, it's always on. But I view this as a balancing resource, David. That's what it's really there for, is to balance frequency on the grid, but also the energy fluctuations that can occur as natural resources tend to have, you know, the volatility that Mother Nature brings.
0: So why are we just doing this now over the last couple of years is the... Is the technology better, or has the price come down for for battery backups? I mean, this this is a need that's been around for a long time, man.
1: Yeah, it is. I think. Well, it starts with the wind and the and the solar penetration is certainly much higher on electric grids today than they were five and ten years ago. In fact, Texas is by far the nation's leader in wind energy. Yeah. We are likely to surpass California this year in solar energy. So Texas is blessed with great natural resources and land. uh, And, you know, we've got a open market. We have a competitive market. So people can come in and they can install wind farms and solar farms. What was happening five and 10 years ago is the grid was largely fossil fuel based. And those you schedule, we call those dispatchable resources. Those dispatchable resources are run on a marginal cost. Whichever's cheapest runs first. That principle still pertains today. If wind and solar are available, it will be on the grid and it will be consumed. But when those resources come offline, and sometimes it's, it's, it's just purely weather, it could be cloud cover, it could be the wind pattern change, you need a very quick response unit, quick, like right. millisecond quick response units. Batteries meet that need. So, David, I think is the energy as the energy mix of what resources we're counting on every day has changed, because of the availability of the wind and the solar uh, penetration, we are we have to back that up, and we have to back it up with something that's very quick response. A coal plant would not respond quickly enough to that, so that's why you're seeing this other range of resources like the batteries and the peaker, the gas peaking units, coming onto the grid. Well,
0: I, I, obviously, Vistra's experience with this is positive because you're you're adding to the initial plant in California. You built the new one, new battery backup in Granbury. You operate in, in 20 states now. I mean, this is a lot more than just Texas and California. Are you going to expand this? It is.
1: You know, we actually made a pretty large announcement for us a couple of weeks ago where we announced that we are going to acquire three uh, competitive nuclear units: two in Ohio, one in Pennsylvania. Nuclear, of course, like our Branbury facility, uh, nuclear is the only large-scale, dispatchable—again, a unit you can turn on and off—zero uh, carbon-emitting resource. So, while wind and solar are also zero carbon-emitting, they are not dispatchable. And, and our view, David, is our job as a company in any of the states we're operating in is to provide. What we call reliable, affordable and sustainable energy and reliability is number one. Well, you've had
0: had Comanche Peak for 30 years. In fact, 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 I saw you file the other day for another 30 years. Yeah,
1: we did. We're excited about it. And and look, it's the youngest two unit facility operating in the country right now. Texas is uh, fortunate to have two nuclear sites, you know, one in South Texas, one in here. Um, And they're hard to expand because they're such large scale. They're costly to expand. I think the future, David, that people are are working towards is can we get to a smaller, more modular nuclear reactor? There's pilots across the country. Those are probably still eight to 10 years away from being available. So what the Inflation Reduction Act, which was passed last year, and the Bipartisan Infrastructure Bill are focused on is R&D for these advanced technologies, but in the interim, wind, solar, and batteries have additional incentives to be deployed. And what we've got to do, David, is make sure that when the wind, the solar, and the batteries have done all they can do, and they're no longer there, we've got to have the full backup because the customer expects to have power. And we play a critical role in that. And that's why you see us with a large gas fleet, and a nuclear fleet, because I think those resources and the gas fleet in particular is a flexible resource that I think is going to be here for years to come. But see, that's
0: the interesting thing about the model that you have, investor, because you're vertical, you're totally integrated. There are a lot. I mean, there are a lot of resellers of electric. You can go to Power to Choose and see thirty. Of that's right. Companies you've never heard of, but you gener- you you make it, you generate it, and through TXU, you turn around and sell it, and now you're storing it. Is this, how unique is this model nowadays? Well, you know, it.
1: it's, we like the model, David, because I, I, I think we're good at three things. We're good at, at safely operating power generation assets. We're very good at serving customers. And then because we're in a competitive market, you have to manage the commodity risk of being a generator, or a retailer. So for a generator, you have to procure fuels and you have to convert that to power. So you've got to do that and you have to be efficient at it. And on retail, you have to offer the customer a proposition that they're interested in, whether it's solar and battery at the home or whether it's a three year fixed rate plan. And you've got to be able to back that up. And we think it's responsible to have investments in both of those businesses because we can back up our customer promise and we think it is a differentiated model.
0: Yeah, I mean, it seems very logical. I hope it doesn't hurt your feelings when I tell you I actually sprung for a whole home generator the other day. I've got a big Generex up there. Just in case. Oh, you do? Just in case. <laughs> just in case.
1: <laughs> now, what drove, let's you, what drove your decision? Can I ask you? I, fro- I
0: froze to death two years ago. That's what.
1: <laughs> well, look, David, I think that is a reality that when we talk about reliable, affordable, sustainable energy, we can't lose sight of those priorities. And reliability is number one. And I think what Yuri taught us, what Winter Storm Elliott, which also hit the rest of the country sure. you know, this Christmas, is that these electric grids are growing in demand because electrification is putting more demand on the grids. Old plants are retiring on these grids and the new resources coming on particularly the wind the solar and the battery that we do have you can't just turn on on a whim like you can your generac i don't think the right answer is for every home to have a generac because that's actually inefficient from a use of customer money to be able to do this we should be able to provide the reliable electric grid that customers expect and be affordable, but I don't. I, I understand the concern that customers had from two years ago, and a lot's been done over the last two years uh, by by a number of market participants and the regulators and the lawmakers. But uh, this challenge isn't going away, David. I think yeah. the, with electrification of a lot of transportation as well as home heating the electric grid is going to have more demand on it and it's our job to make sure that we can meet that demand
0: i find this integration very comforting <laughs> jim burke is the president and ceo of vester corp it's good to spend some time with you we'll look forward to the next time
1: well i david it's a it's a, it's a privilege to be on with you and you always ask very insightful questions and Anytime we get a chance to talk about what we're doing and how we view the priorities of meeting the customer needs, we'll, we'll take you up on it.
0: We'll do it. We'll do it. For more of a conversation, go to KRLD.com slash CEO. David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.